Hey everyone, you're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about all their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we're kicking off our Bridgerton coverage with all of our highs and lows from season one and what we hope to see for season two. Hello, Jenny. Hello, listener. Welcome back to Hotel Vicarious. We have arrived, folks. We have officially counted down to Bridgerton. It airs tomorrow. Very excited. Oh my god, I thought you meant legitimately tomorrow, and then I realized that our listeners <laughs> will be hearing this on Thursday. Yes. I tricked myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. We are so excited. Bridgerton season two airs Friday, March 25th, and we are ready for all of it. We are so ready that my husband knows that he's not going to see me for eight hours. <laughs> it's true. I know. We're, we're going to be separate for just, you know. The whole weekend. Uh, I think just Friday night. Like, <laughs> No, you're going to run. Okay, I see, I see, I see. I think I'm just going to go upstairs to our bedroom. Yep. Settle in with some snacks. Yep. From like five until three a.m. <laughs> sure. I love it. It's a That's Friday amazing. night. I'm going wild. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes, I'm very excited for it to arrive. They have been doling out these like perfect little tidbits of scenes, and oh my gosh, it is just. Making me desperate for Simone Ashley as Kate. Like, I just, I am so excited. Just the micro expressions in her face in the trailer has sold me. I don't care what happens. Elephants can stampede across London streets. And I'll be like, this is the best season I've ever seen in my life. Because Right, exactly. She's smelling it. Well, listener, before we get too far into our our hopes and dreams for season two, we wanted to just do a little bit of like a catch-all recap of season one. So we have been re-watching season one the past week and a bit, and we are going to give you some of our highs and lows, what we thought worked really well, <laughs> what we were like, mm, this could have been done a lot better. <laughs> and things that we wish just had not occurred. Um, but we're also going to give you sort of, you know, our hopes for what what we want to happen in season two based on what, you know, the finale of season one. And then sort of what we think might be happening based on, you know, the book and and other things that we've heard through social media and and media in general because the embargo on the show is has been lifted so now people who have seen the show um can actually start talking about it so yeah and i'm so excited to kind of go through this with jenny because she has read all the books she knows book two like no other and i know nothing (laughs) 
It's true. I was trying to find, I don't even know if this is a thing you can do on Kindle, but I was like, is there a way on Kindle you can see how much of a book you have read or like how many times you have read it? And like, maybe thankfully I couldn't find that information, but I have read this book a lot. So uh, season two is based on, well, the entire Bridgerton show as we know is based on a series of books by Julia Quinn about the family Bridgerton. And season two in particular is based on the book of Viscount Who Loved Me. And it's the main characters in the book are Anthony Bridgerton, who is the oldest son of the Bridgerton family. And Kate, I can't remember her name from the book now. I'm just it's like blanking because all I see is the word Sharma now. It's, so it's Sharma forevermore. It's Kate Sharma forever. Um, who is a I, I don't want to call her a spinster, but she's she's more she's old, quite a bit older than most girls or slash women who debut at the same time as her sister who's younger. And so she's not really she's kind of given up on and we see that in the clip that aired today is that she's kind of she's not interested yeah. Um. in looking for a husband she's not that's not what she's here she's here to help her sister find a good match and that's sort of that's what her that's her goal for this season and I you know maybe we'll talk about this more when we go into our season two hopes yeah but I wonder how Kate's declaration of she's not interested in kind of like being a part of the season and seeking a husband will if Eloise will like see that hear about that and how that might affect her storyline going forward because she's like very anti-marriage in season one she is yeah and i to be honest i don't really remember how eloise was in the books like in in book one and book two like i i'm kind of drawing a blank it has been a little while since i i think i read book two last summer but you know what is time, guys? It could have been 2020. I'm not sure. So yeah, so let's get into season one. So season one was based off of the book The Duke and I. Is that what it is? Yeah. The Duke yeah, and I. Yeah, The Duke and yeah. I. Yeah. Uh, and it uh, was starring Daphne, who is Anthony Bridgerton's younger sister, and his best friend, Simon the Duke of Hastings, also known as... Mopey and Mopier. <laughs> the Duke of Mope. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to put it out there right now. If you are a fan of Daphne and Simon. This podcast is not for you. <laughs> we will put a note in the show notes when you can skip forward to what we're hopeful for. <laughs> season two. I just didn't like them. And it's not. It's nothing against Phoebe Dynavore. It's nothing against Reggae Jean Page. They're great actors. They did the best with what they had. I just didn't even like the book 10 years ago. <laughs> I didn't like the book. So I love the side characters. I And that's why I kept reading the series because I loved all of her brothers and sisters, her mother, Lady Danbury, all of it. But I just don't like them. <laughs> well, it's just like there and like disclaimer. I love fake dating. Yeah. (laughs) That's a top tier trope. It really is. But Simon's backstory and like (sighs) his trauma is valid having a shitty, shitty deadbeat dad 
I love that backstory, but it's the way he internalizes it and the way it comes out in their relationship that is so annoying because it relies so much on the miscommunication or (laughs) straight up lack of communication trope that it's like, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. Yeah, I did not love it. For sure. And then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does not get better, really, in my opinion. But, you know. Wow. We got started on those lows real I know. Fast. I'm sorry. We're just yeah. trying to get rid of them and then uh, we'll keep going. Okay. Well, maybe we'll do like we'll do like one low and then one high and then like one low and one high. That's, that's great. That balances <laughs> out the negativity really well. So oh. low number one. Sure. Simon and Daphne, Daphne. <laughs> who are the main couple of this season. So you can see that that's probably a controversial take. Sure, it is. And like, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. There were moments in the season that I was like, oh, that's I like that little interaction. <laughs> well, when they're being a team. Yeah. Or like the conversation on the bridge. I mean, that's a good scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's got some, it's got a little bit of steam to it. And I think they, they have actually a ton of chemistry. Yes. Jenny's like, no, absolutely not. No, it's not. Face. <laughs> it's not that. You know, they do it real good to some Taylor Swift. I'm not lying. <laughs> but I just, I just feel that, oh, I don't know how to say this without being mean. I just thought stoic. Mm. does not mean stilted. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. People are going to hate us for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing. There are some moments where the the script really favors both of these actors. Like, I yes. really do genuinely think that, I agree. like... I agree. I totally agree. I really do. Over the course of eight episodes, there are some really, really strong moments. But, and I don't know if it's the pressure to sell this sort of like, no, Daphne, I cannot tell you what makes me so mad. And, oh, Simon, I just, I don't understand. Like, I think that's really hard to sell. I really do. I think even an amazing actor would have a really hard time making that compelling to me. Yeah. They are kind of set up to fail for a a few scenes. I absolutely agree with that. And maybe that's what I find the hardest to swallow. Yeah, and I mean, I think as much as Shonda Rhimes series bring the like crazy, amazing, funny, hysterical drama. Yeah. Sometimes it works and sometimes I'm like, stop. (laughs) Dial it back. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's just, it's just a recurring theme in, in every, you know, every, every show she's ever done. Yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world, but sometimes you're like, oh, no. What is that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think if we just come out real strong and be like, guys, this was not our favorite parts. <laughs> the main part was not our favorite part. The main part was not our, I would, I would, you know, I know that they <laughs> technically were the main part, but like there was a lot of real good parts that did not involve them. <laughs> so no, no, you're right. You're right. I would say that although they are the focus of season one, sure, they are still maybe about 30 to 40 percent of the content because you do have a shit ton of anthony and sienna you have a shit ton of marina like you do have a very there's a lot of characters and a lot of different storylines so you're right yeah 
They're not I, I also feel like I have to say, even though I'm like, I have complaints, even though I'm like, mm, I found this parts boring or, oh, you know, this is not my favorite. Overall, I still deeply loved this show. It was so much fun to watch. I it, I have been waiting for this show for such a very long time. Uh, the first time I read A Viscount Who Loved Me was in 2011. So wow. 10 years wow. ago this year. Dang. Yeah. So I have been, when I say I've been waiting a decade for this, I have been waiting a decade. And so I'm very excited. And I, and I really was excited even for season one because I knew what's coming. Mm-hmm. I knew what was coming. And so even if Bennett, even if, sorry, even if Daphne and Simon are not my favorite, I'm still excited for their story because I know it's the beginning of a whole other raft of stories that I truly do love. Yeah. No, I fully agree there. But I will say, to continue on with our Simon and Daphne. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's just, let's just, let's just they, get it over with. <laughs> as someone who has not read the books, <laughs> yes. There are some aspects that I wish they did not adapt and Agreed. that they could have changed somehow, some way. It is very hard to root for a couple that has consent problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I go into it, like Muppet mode. <laughs> When yeah. I like, I cannot fathom why in 2020 that was still there. Like maybe, maybe back in 2010 when when this was written, whatever. Maybe the the discourse around stuff. Well, like it was, this was yeah, like, it was. It, I think the Duke and I was written in 2001. Oh God! And or 1999. And yeah. a Viscount who loved me was written in 2001, but I only read it like 10 years later. I only found it. 10 years later but it was written in the it was written in like the mid not or the yeah. beginning of the aughts yeah so yeah sure i guess we could say it was a product of its time oh which feels lazy and like yeah because i just think it's not necessary no matter what year it's written yeah, or published i don't in. think that if we were to read that back in 99 we would want to see the same thing so i think the simon and daphne non-consensual yeah, that was really hard to watch. And I was like, F- I don't care. <laughs> I do not care about this couple having a happy ending anymore because of that moment. And so it's sort of like. Yeah, and it's ugh. just like not necessary. It's just not necessary. It wasn't. It was not necessary. Yeah, like. There's, On so many levels. There's so many different ways that you have done that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And. To then do it, to change so many things about the book in so many ways, mm-hmm. for the better, absolutely 100% for the better, yeah. to change so many things, and then to leave in something so shitty, and then make it shittier by keeping it in your changed adaptation? I'm sorry, but like, guys, no bueno. No bueno. Just <laughs> real bad. Bad choice, Chris Van Dusen. <laughs> Bad choice. And I think they know that. <laughs> I think they truly have learned their lesson. I mean, I, I hope I'm proven right. But, like, I feel like considering the discourse that came out following the season regarding this specific issue, 
I I truly hope that they have learned their lesson. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the harshest of all of our comments, guys. We promise. But we just felt like it had to be addressed front and center. Well, and I don't think we're alone in that. Not at all. In that Not at all. all. So I think it's a safe a safe take to start with. Oh, of is, course. But it's it important. Yeah. Definitely the most uh, the biggest low. Atrocious. Most atrocious slow. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to a high. How about we start with Anthony Bridgerton's butt? <laughs> I'm gonna keep well, it real trashy. I mean, yeah, it uh it comes out quite early in the show. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So let me let me explain. Yes. Is it a cute butt? You damn right it is. Do I love to look at it? I sure do. Do I love that the show gives us a lot of, like, female gaze, male nudity, like, it feels so nice to start a show and the first bit of nudity we see is not boobs. Yeah, it's not boobs. (laughs) Like, it felt, I was like, oh, okay. Right? I know. I'm happy. And, like, to be honest, there was no female nudity until, like, episode five? Well, and it's, Five like or six. Very, very brief. Very, yeah, it is, yeah. It is, like, a flash in the pan, give you a blink, you miss it kind of nudity, and I... Yeah. I appreciate that. Me too. Yeah, no, it was... <sighs> it was a nice butt, not gonna lie. My hair <laughs> makes a couple more appearances in season two. Hallelujah. You know, so that's exciting. Another one of Anthony's appendages that I was not super jazzed about were those weird-ass sideburns, which <laughs> luckily are gone in season two. <laughs> he has gotten a haircut, and he's looking real sharp and dapper in season two. He's a little too grungy looking in season one for me. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, we're going from a, from a high to a low. <laughs> I, th- I mean, he still looked really good. I'm not going to lie. God. Yeah, no, he's a handsome <laughs> just man. just like, he, his sideburns were like touching his lips. Yeah, they were They were <laughs> quite extreme. I think obviously that I am not a, outside of like Jane Austen, I don't read a lot of Regency. And so I forget what like is, you know, quote unquote in fashion and in, in a lot of the. Sure. You know, so when the first season came out, I think I remember saying to you, I was like, what, what is up with this? face yeah why do all the Bridgerton boys have these like ridiculous mutton chop yeah but I do love that beginning of season two he's debuting or not debuting but he's participating in the social season he's like oh I gotta go to the barber and I gotta get a trim and I gotta look fresh yes yes because he does look sloppy as fuck in season one (laughs) okay like the I will okay so I just rewatched the finale like today and like his hair has grown so long by the yeah. end of the season, and it is like just like brush it once in a while. <laughs> like, don't you have a valet? Like, come on, bro. He... Where's your valet? He must be having a heart attack right now. Let you're like let he's like you're going out looking like that. Your valet is probably like having a heart attack, being like, oh my god, I hope no one knows I work for Anthony Bridgerton. They're gonna think I do a bad job. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, he, he, listen, he takes the Viscount role very seriously. He does not have time to bathe or brush his hair, Jennifer. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Ridiculous man. He needs someone to bang him into shape. 
I didn't mean it like that, but <laughs> maybe I did. <laughs> oh, we're just like the epitome of that laughing lizard, Jeff. You mean the snake? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I can't believe you just told our one listener that I once mis- made the mistake of thinking a lizard was a snake. It was not once. Wow. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Whew. It was only once. I've never, ever made another mistake in my life. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was just the face. <laughs> it looked like a snake. I can't breathe. Oh, God. Oh, the good old di- Those halcyon days of the early pandemic. <laughs> you know? Where I was like, look at this amazing Please. gif, guys. It's a snake. <laughs> and Jenny just so gently was like, honey. <laughs> It's a fucking lizard. Are you blind? I mean, obviously, we're going to have to include this in the show notes somehow. I know. Otherwise, you're going to be listening to this thinking, are they having a stroke? <laughs> yeah, they exactly. Are recording? What is happening? Should we cut right this now? out and make this Patreon content? <laughs> is this a Patreon content uh, story? Behind the scenes story? Yeah. <sighs> okay, so let's talk about. One of my other favorite parts of season one, everything to do with Benedict. (laughs) Yo, my hope and dream for season two is that Benedict comes out as a bisexual man because... Oh yeah, I want him to be in a throuple with the Granvilles, for sure. His journey in season one was glorious. It was so good. And like, I mean, obviously I've read Benedict's book. So, you know, um, and so here's the thing, like, yes, okay, so they're all romance novels, so we know that there's, like, there's a hero and a heroine, and at the end, they're happily ever after, but I think it could be done in a way that, you know, still sort of rings true to his book but still like adds something a little bit different to it so i'm still hopeful shonda if you're listening because you know duh you should um (laughs) definitely turn his wife into his husband or his wife and his husband sure 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 sure. (laughs) yeah i i mean i don't know there is a scene with him and someone in the trailer it's a woman. I'm just not sure who it is. Like it's kind of hard to see. Uh, I don't know if it's Genevieve Delacroix, the modiste who he was seeing. Our favorite fake Frenchie. Yes, yes. I'm not sure if if it's her or if it's someone else. I it's kind of hard to see. And sadly, I haven't been able to find a gif of that on Tumblr. <laughs> I just so. feel like statistically speaking, the Bridgertons had so many children. At least one of them would be queer. I mean, you'd think so. And if it's not Benedict and Eloise, then who the fuck is it? I don't know. Have you seen Colin's goatee? We're not there yet. We're not there. Okay. Because I have a lot to say about Colin's. Yeah, me too. Travel tour goatee. I have a lot to say about Colin in season one, but (laughs) I also don't want Brie to get mad at me. So, because she really loves Colin and Penelope. So, I'll try to keep it nice. (laughs) <laughs> keep it cute jenny keep it but cute. and this is this has nothing to do with the actual show this is just like colin's character in general 
in the book series. And because Colin and Penelope aren't until book four. Yeah. And I don't think that's a spoiler, right? Because, I mean, it's in a, I don't know. I don't, how do we, how do we do this? Like, how, how do you talk about spoilers in a book series that's 20 years old? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so I don't think, you know, spoilers, be, we'll put a note. Uh, there's spoilers. So yeah, they're not till book four. And he's very young. He's very young. He's very immature. You know, he's very, I don't know, kind of like wide-eyed, dreamy. You know, he does go to, he is going to Greece or wherever, going on his travels at the end of season one. Um, and I just find it like tedious. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, Colin, you remind me of, you're too modern for this show How? in some ways. I need, like, a family tree of how old all of the Bridgerton siblings are so I can keep track. Oh, you know, I I did know this. I want to say that hmm, I think Anthony is 30 or 30, 30 to 34. In book one? In his book. Oh, in his book. Okay. I think. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. He might might be in book one, but he's in his 30s and every book kind of skips a couple of years. Right. Because if we're going to so get like, that, like and, and yada yada. Yeah. Like so that like, older. you know, so in Benedict's book, by the time we get to Benedict's book, which is the third book, I think he's close to 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. So now Daphne is much younger. Right. She's the fourth. She's the fourth, but at the time of her book, she's young. Like yeah, like eighteen. She's eight. She's got to be around eighteen. Yeah, because that's when she's having her. She's her presented at court. Yeah. So yeah, she's like eighteen ish. I don't think Anthony would be thirty in the first book because there's not ten years between them. I don't think Simon is the same age as Anthony. Right. So probably or like close. Old. Like 18 and 28 Eight. or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 18, 28, 28, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I think these adult men would be better. Uh, Yeah, I mean, well, they married them much younger than 18, so. I know, I still think about. probably good. I still think about Pride and Prejudice when Lydia runs away. I know about like Lydia. <laughs> and Mrs., know. Uh, Mrs. Bennett is like, ah. My first daughter married in 15, too. And it's like a fucking, uh, you know, accomplishment. Gross. So gross. Yeah. So I think, yes, I would say. And then by the time you get to Hyacinth's book, I mean, it's been. Everybody's old as fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think Hyacinth is probably 18, 17 or 18 uh, in her. I think she's 18, probably in her book. And she is about. Oh, she's about what? 10 maybe i can't eight, tell. I eight or like, 10 in the show i feel like the actress who plays her though is like 13 yeah and the, there is a joke in the show about how she is younger than gregory but much taller yes and it's hilarious because it's like they did definitely cast an eight-year-old for gregory yeah he looks very <laughs> he looks like a little baby but but i i have to imagine it's because they're gonna run into the stranger things kids 
issue if they yeah. don't cast someone very young yeah. is that every year that Bridgerton goes by before we get to Gregory's episode ep- season, if they even do a season for Hyacinth and Gregory, because they're like books seven and eight, yeah, he'll be ancient, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, or he'll at least, he'll look quite a bit older. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what happens there. Well, thank you for that little, you know, tangent. I tried. I was so curious. Anyone, feel free to correct me on Instagram or email us. So that probably makes Kate in her mid-20s? She is, yes. Kate yeah. is, Kate is. I, I believe Kate is in her 20s. I would say m- early to mid-20s. She's, no, she's not more than 25. Yeah. Well... Were yeah. we on a high or a low just then? We were talking about Benedict, which was my high. Mm, big high. Yes, he is so enjoyable. Yeah, I really loved his whole thing. He's very different from, very different from sort of what a, the rest of his brothers kind of, you know. Well, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Speaking of, that brings me to my next low. Okay. As much as I enjoyed seeing Anthony Bridgerton naked at every possible moment, mm-hmm. the so- like the storyline with Sienna, the opera singer, was difficult. <laughs> oh yes, tell us more. And I, I tend to enjoy this like opposites attract or like you know class things tearing us apart like if I didn't know that Anthony had his own book with a completely different love interest Mm -hmm. I would root for Sienna and Anthony more but knowing that they have this like very tragic ending just made it really hard for me to root for them the entire season and I found so much of their relationship to be so long. Like, I (laughs) could not believe that we were still dealing with the back and forth of Anthony and Sienna by the finale. Like, I really thought when she got together with that doofy guy with pointy hair that we were going to be done with her. Mm -hmm. But we were not. And I was like, what the guys? No. Yeah, you know, like, I, I really don't. There is an opera singer in Anthony's book, I think, but it's mm-hmm. like there's it's like a past there's it's like yes, he you know, had a dalliance with her. Like that like I literally right. remember nothing else about it. So they've obviously, you know, I think when you're when you are adapting, you have to think about longevity of your show, and one of the things was like, okay, we have to we have to make we have to give Anthony a storyline of some kind in order to get people interested for next year. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, it was kind of there in the book. So like they could, they could build on it. And, but I totally agree with what you said. Like it was, I just think there was something about the pacing that was really hard for me. Yeah. It was too much back and forth. Too much. So much. I, I actually quite like Sienna as a character. Me too. I really enjoyed her. The actress is incredible. Incredible, both in terms of just singing, I think that's a real voice, and her acting. I mean, I, she was a, just incredible to watch on screen, but yeah. yeah, at a certain point, I was like, y'all just gotta let it go. Like, 
be done. Yeah, I really liked her scenes that didn't involve Anthony. <laughs> like, I liked, yes. you know, the conversations she would have with Genevieve, mm-hmm. you know, about, like, making their own way. And, like, yeah, I just, I liked that a lot, that they were kind of, like, friends. And, like, you know, sh- that's where she stayed when Anthony was like, you got to go. I'm not going to pay yeah. for your house anymore. <laughs> so. <laughs> and you know what I think it is, too, is, like, so much of their interactions made me dislike Anthony more than it kind of already did yeah you know like because he's really hard on Daphne and he's really hard on his mom and like yeah that sort of internalized pressure he's putting on himself is just like not that compelling to me Mm -hmm. so to have him also kind of jerk Santa back and forth I was like man I am not gonna care about this guy when it gets to his season I know on me because I'm very excited but yeah yeah no I it's totally fair no that's totally fair um I think if I understand some of the casting and I understand some of the other stuff that happens in the first couple of episodes I think it will paint Anthony in a much more what's the word I'm looking for not positive but sympathetic light maybe he's still a jerk sometimes (laughs) but I think that I think that when we start to see his backstory and we start to see his flashbacks and we start to sort of see what why he is the way he is it makes it makes a lot more sense as to like the same with Simon in a way it's Anthony has grown up believing a certain thing and this is the thing that he believes to be true and therefore it informs all of the decisions that he makes and all of it's wrong (laughs) but he doesn't know that until he meets Kate right and she goes you're wrong (laughs) basically she's she's very much like you are not this no (laughs) you know but she also makes him realize that he is wrong sort of in his own right uh he he kind of realizes that too so I I think we're going to see. I think people will be surprised. I know there's a lot of people who are like, I'm not going to watch it because Reggae Jean Page is not in it anymore. It's like, oh, Anthony sucks. I think you're going to be surprised. I, yeah. I think if you haven't watched, if you haven't read the books, um, if you've only watched the show, I think you're going to be, uh, I think you're going to be excited to see how Anthony's sort of progression unfolds and, and he does become a more sympathetic character. I'm ready. That was my TED talk on Anthony Bridget. Okay. What else? Can I talk about Marina? Yes. Let's talk about, wait, is she a low or a high? She's both. (laughs) Nice save. Okay. Let's talk about Marina. No, she is. She's both. Um, I liked that they had this character. I think Ruby Barker is a great actress and she did a really phenomenal job as Marina. I think her storyline is interesting. You know, I, I am nervous based on the rest of the books, how they will take the character of Marina Thompson and what direction they'll take her in because the books was not a great storyline. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hope. I'm hoping that in this situation, they will choose to do it a little bit different in some way or another. But, I mean, I, I liked her. I thought it was interesting. She provided a kind of a different kind of confidant for Penelope. 
I didn't love the stuff with Colin. I thought that was a little bit ridiculous, but you know, it, it all at, at the same time, like it was kind of necessary, you know, it, it, it helps further the, the Featherington plot and it gives us more scenes with Lady Featherington. And, you know, so like I, I was it my favorite. No, but like I get it. And it was it was fine. I just I'm very hesitant that they will give her. I don't know the storyline she actually deserves. Yeah, no, I can. I can see that happening. I mean, I think, yeah, she's an incredibly tragic character. I yeah. think she is the most tragic character in season one. Mm-hmm. You kind of are just constantly hoping she'll catch a fucking break. Right. And she doesn't. Not once. And it's kind of brutal to watch. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I could say spoiler alert. And then I could talk about what happens in book five. I mean. So, you know, in book five, uh, which is Eloise's book, uh, Sir Philip is Eloise's hero. And Marina is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now she, there are two children that are her children with Sir Philip, I believe. Well, and is one actually George's? <sighs> that is unclear to me. Okay. Um, I possibly right, or possibly both were. Yeah, I think it was just the one. Maybe so, but but I feel like they're sisters. So I don't I don't know. Like, uh, either she one of the one of the children is his brothers, and the other one is his his. his and then she has a third baby who dies, I believe, and then okay. she has postpartum depression and then kills herself. Oh boy! Or she try no. I, let me see. She has postpartum depression and she tries to kill herself. She is not successful oh, and no. then dies <gasps> of her wounds. Yes. God. It's real bad, guys. So when I when I was watching season one and we see Marina Thompson, I'm like, what? So wait, Marina's character is not in book one. Marina's character is dead. The entire time. No. Yes. And also, Marina is not a Featherington cousin in the book. She is a cousin of the Bridgertons. <gasps> and that is why Eloise is writing to Sir Philip. So, I, I'm very interested to see what happens. And I'm very nervous that Shonda gonna Shonda and Marina gonna die. Yeah, oh my god. I had no idea that that was the trajectory of the character and that... But you did know she was dead, right? I yeah, I knew yeah. that she had ended up dying. Um, yeah. I did know that Sir Philip was Eloise's love interest. Yeah, so I... <laughs> I really don't know. Like, I'm very nervous. <laughs> I could I could really use with one of the only um biracial characters on the show not having a traumatic death. That would be great. Well, and especially because like, <laughs> you know, as we just said, she is truly the most tragic character and one of the Already. Few, yeah, and one of the few black characters in the show and so it's like Yeah. I know. So yeah. I'm very nervous. I'm not going to lie. I just say that like, you know, uh 
black characters don't deserve to have the same kind of like messy and tragic storylines that white characters do but it is sort of just a Jesus really yeah a lot it is a lot and I just think like I don't know there's just other ways we could go around it she could still be tragic and not have to die yeah fingers crossed they kind of figure out what they're doing there and that yeah I don't know we'll see I know I hope so what is one of your other highs well since we were just talking about her I think Eloise is a high for me for season one. And I will say that I found her very annoying. (laughs) But I think that's why I loved her so much. Yeah. Because I really appreciate the like modern proto-feminist like annoying (laughs) jerk (laughs) like trope. I really loved how she was constantly sort of being like well why do we have to do this and I don't want to do this and like why are you making me do this and I don't want to wear this stupid dress like I love characters like that even if they are really annoying sometimes and <laughs> I I found that she was really channeling like her best Mary Shelley and I really appreciated that yes <laughs> yes that's exactly what it is yeah or Mary Wollstonecraft because pre-Mary well, sure. and Percy Shelley but yes yeah. um no I definitely feel like she had some of that Mary Shelley energy you know the infamous you know losing her virginity on her mother's grave kind of <laughs> I feel like Eloise has a little bit of that in her <laughs> I and I love that we got a little girl detective too as well yeah it, it really helps to drive the uh, lady whistle down storyline a little bit it does uh, it, absolutely it's very much like xoxo who is gossip girl but i <laughs> it is like regency gossip girl yeah sure. but at the very least it's not like we don't find out that it's dan in the end like it's oh, not yeah. like imagine, colin colin, is lady it was colin. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so i mean truly i think eloise is one of my favorites and i especially love in the finale when eloise is at the hastings ball and she says to Daphne, like, thank you for being perfect so that I do not have to be. Yeah. I love that, like, little moment of self-reflection in the end. Because she's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, That, that last moment really kind of brings her whole character together for me. Yeah, and I think she grows up a little bit over mm-hmm. the season, right? So, no, I really enjoy, I've really enjoyed Eloise. I think Claudia Jesse does such a great job of her. Um, just her little quirks and her little like the way she like shrugs her shoulders and the she's hunched. very like physical um, in her acting and I really yeah. I like that about her. Like she she walks around with like an actual chip on her shoulder the entire season. <laughs> she does, or like she's just like flat out sprawled. Yeah, on all the furniture. <laughs> like I'm sorry, I we need I need to go to tangent. What is wrong with the Bridgerton children's posture? Like. <laughs> It, I could do an entire collage of just pictures of the Bridgerton children slouched in a couch. Like, what is happening? Like, well, <laughs> well, and I think the answer to that is like mm, the episode where um, they have Simon. Is it the premiere episode? It's the first episode when Simon comes to dinner. Yeah, and everyone's arguing and like bickering and mm-hmm. you know. Violet is like, I know it's a little uh, uh, unconventional to have the entire family at the table, right. but we just really like each other. Yeah. I think that the Bridgerton household is just so 
casual and chill. Yes, I agree. The kids are just like, they do, they just, they do whatever they want. There's no, I mean, like, Violet's not walking around being like, straighten up and like, sit nice. Like, I don't think she gives a shit. Because she's so exhausted. Like, this woman has eight children who basically she has had to raise by herself for most of it. Like, um, I was just looking, and so Edmund Bridgerton, her husband, mm-hmm. died when Anthony was 18. God. Yeah, and she was pregnant with Hyacinth. So she had eight kids in 18 years. Pretty much. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like six years of being pregnant. No, but like if you added all of her pregnancies up together, it'd be like six years of being pregnant. Mm. Gross. <laughs> a long time yeah a long time that is a long time uh so like i feel like yeah violet does her best but she also gives no fucks (laughs) anymore and i truly truly love that yeah (laughs) Uh, okay are we ready to move on to season two or do you have any other moments that you want to bring up um i think the only other moments that i want to talk about and i'm talk about them collectively is the costuming yes and i'm talking about every hat that lady danbury (laughs) wears yeah and every neon colored garment that the featheringtons wear like yeah i think the costuming choices were so smart and so good and i loved them like i cannot tell you the joy it brings me that in the finale at the Hastings Ball where every woman is wearing shades of blue. Blue. I know. I love that. And then the Featheringtons come in and they're wearing like... <laughs> yellow. Yellow and hot pink and fuchsia and oh tangerine. God. And I just... Yeah. Mm, I love it. I know. And I think it just reminded me what Sarah was saying last week when she was on the podcast about how when you... The difference between the costumes of Pride and Prejudice 2005, which were very muted, mm-hmm. very earth tone, you know, in terms of – and the costumes in Bridgerton give such a different vibe. Yes. But it's it's really I, – I just love them. And, like, say what you want about <laughs> – I mean, there's so many complaints about the Bridgerton costumes from <laughs> some historical costume – communities and people and it's like oh this or that or whatever and it's just like you know what at the end of the day like people are they're watching it for fun this is not this is not a documentary on the regency this is a fantastical adaptation and retelling of a time period that we have romanticized like yeah it's super (laughs) intentionally stylized production yeah I think exactly. the only thing that kind of grinds my gears is there's that one really brief scene where Daphne's getting ready for another ball and you can see all the bruising on her back from her corset. Yes. Mostly because she's just never wearing anything under her corset. And I feel yeah. like that's my one pet peeve where I'm like, the layering is off. That That is my one thing that I don't understand. Um, it was very rare that you would wear – a corset without a shift or a shoes underneath the bruising is real yeah like the bruising (laughs) i do get it's just that i can see it it, yeah you should like lacing up her corset and i'm like yeah no you shouldn't be able there should be like and also the other thing and i don't want to go on a big tangent about historical costuming but most corsets were 
were made of very nice material that you did not want to have to wash more than you needed to. Uh, there was metal boning in all of that, yeah. which would rust. So, like, you didn't want to be sweating right. uh, into that thing if, more than you had to. So that's why you, that was the whole reason for the chemise. Like, it was to protect your other clothes, including your corset. But I digress. I love the costumes. They're great. They're beautiful. I love every jewel tone that Lady Danbury wears. <laughs> I, I really, I love that. Even though she is the mom, Violet Bridgerton still looks classy as hell. Like She's awesome. So So, yeah, no, the costumes are amazing. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what the Sharma sisters get to wear in season two. I am expecting a lot of beautiful jewel tones, and I'm so excited. I know. Just from the, like, few clips that we've seen from the trailer and the few, like, stills and stuff, it is... Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I see emeralds, rubies. I see some goldenrod. Yes. Like, I'm yeah. so pumped. Yeah, and some, like, like dark navy sort of, like, oh, yes. I'm so excited. Okay, which brings us to our hopes and dreams. Season two. Okay, so I have a question. Oh, what happened me. to Francesca? <laughs> because she is, like, not in any of the pictures. <laughs> she's not even in, like, any of the, like, she's just gone. <laughs> Which is the thing that happens quite often in the book series is like, we never really know where Francesca is. And then she like, ends up her book. It's like, she's already been married by the time we get to her book. Like, it's very odd. Yeah, it's very strange. And like, I, Francesca's book was the first one I ever read. And then I went back and read the rest of the series. And I do not remember, like, I have, I literally have not read it since 2011. Wait a second, what? Yeah, the her book starts with her being a widow. God damn. At yeah. what age? Yeah, she's young. She's no, not that gal. old. Poor gal. So, but it also happens in like a parallel timeline to a different book. And I don't know if that's Eloise's book. I think it is. But I can't remember. Anyway, it's wasn't one of my favorites. But I know a lot of people do like it. So maybe we should go back and I should go back and yeah, read I mean, it again. She's, she's only in like what two episodes of season one? Yeah, she's really not in it very much. She's in Bath the whole time. Yeah, with the aunt and uncle. So Violet yeah, I don't. Know. I'm just surprised to like children, so I don't have to take care of all. Of them right, I think yeah, bring <laughs> one less mouth to feed. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just like, hmm, I wonder if we'll see her. <laughs> okay, okay, hope and dream. We see Francesca yeah. at least once. Once, yeah. Okay. What, do, what do they call it? Confirmation of life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is she breathing? Is she breathing? Yeah. Does she still exists. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Yeah, I can I can appreciate that. I've already touched on my major hope and dream is that Benedict will have a sexual awakening. Yes. Yep. And I also hope that Colin shaves the struggle goatee that we keep seeing in the motherfucking trailer. Why? You, I you mean, went to the Mediterranean and now you have to grow facial hair? Mm-mm. Put it back. Also, like, it wasn't really, a, like, a thing. Like, goatees are not a thing in the Regency. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a stickler, but, like, it looks real modern. Get rid of it. Yeah. Not loving it. Not loving it. <laughs> Maybe Penelope is all about it, though. Who knows? Uh, Listen, she gets flustered at his, like, his shadow. So... It could not matter what that man looks like. She it's is true. down dirty deep for Colin. It's Bridgerton. true. 
It's so true. What else am I excited for? I am excited to see Anthony Bridgerton climb out of a pond. Yeah. Um, I yeah. feel like this is going to surpass Colin Firth. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I know. But I just feel like, and maybe this is sacrilege to some people, but I feel like Anthony Bridgerton is going to perhaps like surpass all Regency heroes that came before. That is a very strong statement. I know. But, but I maybe, stand by it. maybe we'll have to see at the end of season two. And we'll put a little poll together and see how yeah. Anthony ranks among, amongst a lot of classic Regency heroes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm down for it. I am very excited to see Anthony in his little flimsy, wishy-washy white shirt, which in real yes. life probably would not be that sheer. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> Oh, no, it would. For sure. It would. It is like... Is it, it is like even yeah, a good, no, like dress shirt wouldn't get that sheer. If it was no, 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 it is because what is like it's like a handkerchief linen. Like that's what they used to oh, use anyway. Okay, Daria, okay, you okay. keep making me talk about <laughs> historical costuming, and I sound like such a. Honestly, I just know a lot of things, guys. Um, I love it. But yeah, it would be like a really, really fine like handkerchief linen, and so when it's wet, it is like. <sighs> Stuff to you. Great. It's beautiful. He's such a hoe. Yes. I think the one thing I'm really excited for with Anthony is I just want to see him put in his place a lot. Yes. Kate, I want to Kate, see Kate, him Kate, Kate, Kate. demeaned over and over again. That's all I, I want. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm just so excited for this. The, uh, sorry, this season. I'm just like, and I know Sarah has told me multiple times it is an adaptation. It is not. Like a retelling right, of the book. Like and I'm okay with that. Sure. I'm okay with that. But there's just like a couple of scenes that I really need. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really hoping that it happens. So, but I'm just going to keep those ideas to myself and for now. But I just need you to know on record, there are some scenes that I need to see. Okay. And I will ask when we wrap up season two. Yeah. How you feel. I want I want like all yes. the nitty-gritty thoughts. Right, exactly. One of my other things that I'm very excited for, and I already kind of like know based on the trailers and everything, is that we are getting Newton, who is Kate's Corgi, who is like an absolute menace. And I am so excited for it because it's such a silly trope to use, but it's used so good multiple times. <laughs> I'm so excited. I I mean, again, I know nothing, but just from the trailer, Newton seems yeah. like such a little demon dog. And as I oh, own totally. a demon dog, I feel pretty excited about that. Yeah. And he, he really is just like, he's really, he really is Anthony Bridgerton's biggest nemesis <laughs> the entire, I want to say it now. That's what I need. I want to say it now. I need that man to be terrorized from within <laughs> an inch to his life. Right. By a corgi. <laughs> what i want oh god okay what about anything else yeah i mean in my notes i have two things yeah more queen yes because i love that just unhinged woman yes and i do also just want more of her backstory i think they set up something interesting in season one and and i want to know more and also i I wrote gorgeous gorgeous gowns more gowns that's all i want all the gowns (laughs) And more 
classical pop covers. We all know mm, that there's yes. like the soundtrack that they've re- like the listing. I'm ready? I know. I'm very excited. It's going to be. I like. I kind of. I almost want to just like listen to the soundtrack first. And be like, okay, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> I'm trying to – so it's like we have – Because there was only like I think maybe a handful, like maybe five or six songs altogether of season one that were like pop song. Yeah, so this – okay, ready? I'm going to go through. There's ten songs on the soundtrack. Okay. Hit us. Song one is a Nirvana song. What? Stay away. Yep. Very excited to hear Nirvana in Bridgerton. The intersection of all of my favorite things. Oh my god. Material Girl by Madonna, which makes perfect sense. <sighs> Diamonds by Rihanna, which also makes perfect sense. So good. Uh, my favorite. They're doing Robin's Dancing on My Own. <gasps> no, they're not. Yeah, they are. I'm so excited. I'm going to lose Sorry, that is my favorite song of all time. Jenny. My six-year-old daughter knows the... Every single word to that song because Dancing we on listen my to own it so is much. one of my favorite songs of all time. I hate you. I cannot um, believe we're doing this again. <laughs> on live, guys, we do this so often that, <laughs> but like now you've heard it live in the wild. It happens to us all the time. We love everything the same and we cannot help ourselves. <laughs> but Daria, speaking of dancing on your own. Have you seen the brilliant YouTube video by Taryn Killam who recreated the entire Dancing on My Own On SNL. Yeah. But he did it in, like, on his own channel because he he wasn't on SNL anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did it during the pandemic in his house. Oh, my God. With his wife. (gasps) What? She filmed it, I'm pretty sure. Or she did oh part of it. He, God. But it's just him by himself. We will link it in the show notes because it is the most unhinged, amazing thing I've ever seen. Because he had done one when he was on SNL. He had done yes. Call That's Your what Girlfriend. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Call Your No, girlfriend. this he did in 2020 oh when he God, was in lockdown. He, it's brilliant i love, I love that he's so. as much a robin stan as like the rest of us he really is so yeah i i'm very excited i'm okay we got on a really long tangent keep going sorry yes 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 so they're also doing you ought to know by alanis morissette Woo! i know um i think they're doing a bollywood song Ooh. it's kabi cushy kabi gom okay that looks exciting uh they're doing sign of the times by harry styles Mm. Which is fine of all of Harry Styles' songs. Sure, yeah. Whatever. Okay, good. There are better. Mm Mm-hmm. What About Us by Pink. Wow. Uh, How Deep Is Your Love by Calvin Harris. (laughs) And then Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Oh, no. This soundtrack is going to absolutely murder me. Well, I'm just dying to know which song is going to you know, be which scene. Like, I kind of feel like if you ought to know doesn't does come it, up during Kate, I'm going to be, like, confused. Does it say who's doing the covers? It's it's all just the same string. Is it? Is it Vitamin String Quartet? Okay, actually, you're right. So there's a few that are Vitamin String Quartet. 
Okay. There's some that's like Chris Bowers. Okay, yeah, yeah. Domo. Okay. Anna v and Joe Rodwell. Steve Horner is doing the Harry Styles. Midnight okay. String Quartet is doing Miley Cyrus. Wow, so they've got a pretty big, a, bi- a different group of people. I'm excited. Yeah, so I'm looking Woo-hoo. at a, an interesting little interview with um, uh, Justin Camps, who's this uh, music supervisor. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so Chris Bowers is their like composer, so he did yes, a he few is. on yeah. his own. Yeah, and I think he did some for season one, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh well, they're saying that the Harry Styles song actually had really difficult clearance, so that one took the longest to sign off on, which is hilarious. Oh, interesting. Some of them are already they already exist. Yeah, yeah. Like Vitamin String Quartet is like they have. If you just look them up on Spotify, yeah, it's like it's so many. Oh my god! So they're talking about season three already, and that they're thinking of trying to squeeze in some Olivia Rodrigo in season three. Whoa. And some- Doja Cat and Dua Lipa. Oh my god, they were gonna use Dua Lipa in season two, but they couldn't figure out which scenes were correct. That's depressing. Oh, we'll make god. it even better for our boy Ber- our boy Benedict. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm I'm dying. I mean, like the music placement's gonna be my favorite little thing to pluck out. I know. So it was so good in that. season one. That is one of my other highs that I should have mentioned for season one, which was the soundtrack. Yeah. And the music placement of those songs it was truly great it's gonna be so good do you have any more hopes and dreams uh i don't think so i mean i'm really excited for the mallet scene that's i know that that is happening in the show for sure and that is like a huge part of the book so i'm very excited to see that but other than that i like i kind of have pretty high hopes for this season yeah the people who i know who've seen it i trust them implicitly so i know i'm not going to be disappointed so i'm excited i'm ready and to talk a little bit more about our season two recap for Bridgerton, we're going to do things a little bit differently than we've done in the past. Instead of doing episode by episode, we're going to group a few together just to sort of keep it fresh, keep it light, and sort of cover like the really big overarching um, threads in, in a, yeah. you know, like episode one, two, and three, four, five, and six, seven, and eight. So I'm really excited to see how those episodes are going to shape up. And um, I think you guys are going to really like them. Yeah, we're going to keep it nice and tight and exciting. Like Anthony's butt. (laughs) Yes, exactly. These episodes will be tight like Anthony's butt. (laughs) It's so inappropriate. Yeah, I feel like Jonathan Bailey understands. Well, he does. It's his butt. He owns that butt. He knows. He knows the power. (laughs) So, listener, we do not have a book of the week this week because we have been mainlining season one and getting ready for season two. However, we do highly recommend that you check out Julia Quinn's Bridgerton series. Um, It is all of the Bridgerton children in alphabetical order <laughs> other than Daphne it starts with Daphne but then it goes a b c e f g h <laughs> so I like that little moment where you're like oh wait oh how do I do the alphabet again yeah um so yeah so <laughs> we highly recommend them start with book two which is Anthony and Kate's book it's called the Viscount who loved me you can get it on kindle you know wherever 
ebook, Kobo, whatever, all the places. Yes. So if you would like to hear our previous episodes where we counted down to Bridgerton, you can find them at our website, www.hotelvicarious.com. You can also email us, hotelvicarious at gmail.com. You can give us all of your knowledge about the Bridgerton series. Tell us what your favorite moments are. Tell us what your least favorite moments are um, and what you're hoping for in season two. You can also find us on socials and ask us all of those questions and give us all of your answers on the socials as well. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hotel Vicarious. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for checking into Hotel Vicarious, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Bye.